the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Thanks for listening to the Town Hall Review with Hugh Hewitt podcast, bringing to you the best voices on the stories and issues that matter. Helping make it all possible is the generous partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy. Here's another piece I'll trust you enjoy. My guest is the sort of inimitable Molly Hemingway. She is a founder of and a an editor at the American Federalist, at the Federalist, senior editor of the online. It's a terrific place. She is on Fox News regularly, etc., etc. And her book is now out, Rigged, How the Media, Big Tech, and the Democrats Seized Our Elections. I'm a little annoyed by this book because it means I have to read it because Molly Hemingway wrote it. So, as soon as I finish my 900-page history of the Vietnam War, which I'm drawing to a close, you are the next book, Molly. Well, I'm glad to hear it. Uh, I appreciate I appreciate your reading, and I actually enjoyed writing it and researching it. So I hope you I hope you enjoy it. So a lot of questions come to mind. By the way, when was it published? Today, last week? When when is it the official date? It was October 12th, I think. October 12th. Excellent. I I wish it well. You do a tremendous amount of research. I looked at the footnotes, by the way, folks, or the end notes at the end of the book. It's an astonishing amount of research that that she put in. By the way, where do you live? I live in Virginia. Loudoun County? No. No, and my children do not go to government schools, thank God. Thank God is right. But I would I would add, thank their mom, and if there's a dad, thank the parents, too. You made a great decision. So what do you, we, what, what do, you do, homeschool them? No, they one goes to a Lutheran school and... Uh, Another goes to a Catholic school because she graduated from the Lutheran school, but they're classically classically educated. And my husband and I did, in fact, sacrifice a lot. Like before we bought our first home, they were both in private school uh, because we cared so much about the quality of education that they would receive. And we knew they would not get it at our local government schools. And also just not, not even about the quality of education, it's about the morals. And we knew that the morals held by the government workers did not match our morals and it seemed ludicrous that we would send them off for eight hours a day and then have to deprogram them every day from what they It is astonishing to me how many parents who share our values do send their children for eight hours a day to be programmed with moral poison. Yeah, it honestly makes no sense to me and I understand the convenience of it and I understand the cost. But we are so pleased with the sacrifices we made, and it has worked out so well. We love our children's schools. By the way, it is an irony of history. I got I got a big kick out of it theologically that one child went to a Lutheran school and one went to a Catholic school. 
you couldn't have done that 400 years ago. <laughs> the rivalry between the Lutherans and the Catholics would not have allowed that to happen in this inside of one family. So I got a kick out of that. Anyway, you did uh, you did a great thing. All right, on to your book here. So my first question to you is, in all of your research, did anything surprise you? I knew before writing the book that I really wanted to look into big tech censorship and how corporate media had become propagandists. But what definitely surprised me the most was learning about how coordinated the operation to change our election laws was. And I had been someone who covered the 2016 election hoax extensively. And that was the one where Hillary Clinton and the Democratic Party created this conspiracy theory that Donald Trump stole the 2016 election by colluding with Russia. And the guy who funded that, or who, who like actually hired the people who created that conspiracy theory, was a DNC lawyer, or a Democrat lawyer named Mark Elias. He's the same exact guy who ran the operation to change all the voting laws in all the states to create the chaos, the flooding the zone with tens of millions of mail-in ballots, and to decrease scrutiny for them. But that wasn't actually even the most surprising part. For me, it was the Mark Zuckerberg funding of $419 million to engage in a private takeover of government election offices. And those two things kind of go hand in hand, the changing the laws to flood the zone with mail-in ballots, and then on the private takeover of of um, election offices in Democrat counties and swing states, those were part of the same plan. All right, explain that last election. one to me. What, what, what did Mark Zuckerberg exactly do? Yeah, so, you know, billionaires spend money on campaigns all the time, but that's not what this was. This was, this was him spending $419 million predominantly in Democrat counties in swing states to embed left-wing activists into government offices, which are supposed to be nonpartisan, as they did things like register voters, design ballots, create processes for mail-in balloting, count ballots, you know, run the whole show. I I actually write in there about how in one case in Wisconsin, these left-wing funded people literally kicked out the government officers who were supposed to be in charge of the election by just taking over the entire operation. And obviously it should be illegal for tech oligarchs to run our elections, but it was such an audacious plan that many governments weren't prepared to even know it was happening, uh, much less that it had happened. Wow. So what does it mean exactly that he spent $419 million? Who, who did he give the money to? So it was it was funded. The, the money went to counties nationwide, but they predominant the money predominantly went to blue counties in swing states. And people suspected that this was very much helping Democrats, as, as, you know, if they knew about it as it was happening. But now there's all sorts of research and data showing how partisan the results were. So one of the one of the states that he funded was Texas, some Democrat counties in Texas. And a team of economists figured out using Bayesian analysis that this yielded 200,000 additional votes for Joe Biden in Texas. And you think, well, that doesn't really matter. Texas is a strongly Republican state. But you have to remember that Ted Cruz won his election in 2018 by only 
just over 200,000 votes. And most of the funding was going to see if these states ring any bells, Georgia, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, Arizona. And each of those states had fairly narrow margins yielding victory for Democrats. And there's no question that this targeting of massive blue counties with these get-out-the-vote operations, which just happened to coincide precisely with Democrats' actual campaign strategy, yielded the difference for these states. Okay, so I I want to truly understand this. These extra votes are legitimate extra votes or phony extra votes? So they are, near as I can say, I mean, one one of the issues are, one of the issues is that the change to mail-in balloting laws and the widespread expansion of balloting laws makes it almost impossible to detect, much less conclusively find, fraud. So the fact that there is a degradation in the security of our system through the changes to the laws is, is an important issue. But let's leave that aside and just assume for the sake of argument that every single one of these votes that has very little scrutiny applied to it is legitimate. This is about the additional ringing out of votes in blue counties relative to red counties um, in the election. And the reason why that's important is because it's like in a sporting, in, in, in a, like a Super Bowl, if one team is hiring the officials, paying the officials, training the officials, responsible for the officials, then you might have some questions about close calls. And because of mail-in balloting, so much of everything was about close calls. Does this signature match? Did they date their envelope? Are they supposed to be registered in that county? And so having the people embed into our nonpartisan system, but they're actually left-wing activists. I mean, the groups that were brought in, there were strings attached to all these funds. And the counties that took the funds had to bring in people from a list of left-wing groups. Okay, hold on there. I, I, I really, really want to get to the bottom of this for my own clarity. So vast amounts of money were spent, were spent on hiring people in swing districts in red states, predominantly, to make sure that they were the people who did the vote counting. That's one issue that you raised. The other is... The vast amount of ballots that were sent out to people, which enabled anything to happen as a result. Is that a fair summary thus far? Except that the funding went to blue counties in swing states, not swing counties in red states. And so they they really targeted the funding in a very smart fashion if you're a Democrat. You know, Philadelphia in Pennsylvania, or Atlanta in Georgia, or Milwaukee and other cities in Wisconsin. Oh, so, well, let by, me understand something. Did did Republicans in, in any of these cities not see what was happening? So the funding was offered supposedly to help with personal protective equipment for COVID relief. And so you had people applying for the funding if they were in Republican counties or Democrat counties. But the way the funding worked is that if you were in Philadelphia, this is no exaggeration, Philadelphia literally got $10 million in Zuckerberg funding, whereas Republican counties in Pennsylvania got $5,000. 
and there were there are very few Republicans in Philadelphia, but I actually talked with one who did know what was going on. And the money was used to set up voting centers in, in Philadelphia, even though you're not supposed to vote. You, they don't have early voting in Pennsylvania, but they used the money to set this up. And she raised the alarm. She filed lawsuits. It kind of went back and forth in the courts. And then Election Day hit after who knows how many tens of thousands of people had voted this way without oversight, by the way. They were told that it wasn't a voting center, even though people could go in, get a mail-in ballot, cast the ballot, drop off the ballot, and leave. They were told somehow that that didn't meet the technical definition of voting, so that Republicans couldn't oversee it. But the money that was used to set up these places was, was this Zuckerberg funding. If there had been, let me get to a bottom line question. If there had been, as was envisioned nearly all of my life, this bizarre notion that voting would actually take place on election day, and it, with with the exceptions of people asking for an absentee ballot, everybody voted in person. Do you think there would have been a different result? I don't even think it's a, it's a close question, and for many different reasons. I mean, the, it's much more difficult to have a lack of um, security with a ballot on Election Day because you have to show ID or state who you are in person, whereas what happened with mail-in ballots is they just sent out tens of millions of ballots to anyone who was on a, on a list, even if the person no longer lived at that address. That happened in every state where they did this. And 10% of the population moves each year. So it's not like it's not like it's an intentional crime or anything like that. You know, it's fine to move. But when you're just flooding the zone with so many ballots and you're removing any security provisions related to them, it's just it's very easy to manipulate and very hard to detect when it happens. It takes a lot of money and time and energy to, to be able to figure out exactly what's going on. So I don't even think it's a close call. I think that any honest American, and there are some honest Democrats, I think that anyone would say what has been done opened the gates of, of chicanery. I mean, it, it's, it's undeniable. Why else would there be the obliteration of of election day how many uh, how many weeks in advance in let's say philadelphia were ballots sent out it was i don't remember exactly when but it was i mean they were doing early voting for the entire month before entire month so we now we've gone from election day to election month oh it's actually two months in north carolina that you can early vote so there's this wide expanse into election season. I interviewed Attorney General Barr for the book, and one of the things he said that struck me was that we really should move back more toward a one-day voting operation with exceptions because it's like having a jury that can decide at any – that any juror on the on a jury trial can decide at any point who they're voting right, for. Right, before the trial ends. To completion, yeah. That's a great analogy. I love it. Yes, why would people object? It's the same exact thing. We're the jurors. We voters are jurors. 
Why, why are we allowed to vote uh, on the trial before it ends? But it's partly Democratic Party strategy to create some chaos and confusion associated with Election Day to expand the sphere of litigation, to increase the amount of time in which ballots can be received and counted. That is actually considered a feature, not a bug for them. It's, it's very bad, I think, for the American people who who don't appreciate this level of confusion and chaos, but it will continue until people straighten out the voting laws. So what is the state in my state, California, isn't it now permanent, or at least until it's yes. undone, that ballots will it be is. sent it out is. in the millions? And California has been a testing ground for all sorts of shenanigans, I guess we could say, uh, from ballot harvesting to universal mail-in balloting. And Partly the issue, though, I think Republicans I spoke to, they don't even they, they do wish things were more secure, but they also just want to know what the rules are so that they can follow them the same way. So the, the question, I think the bottom line question is, there's no doubt in my mind that tens of millions of ballots were sent to people about a month in advance in order to play havoc with the election in order to get as many ballots in for Democrats as possible. Nobody who is honest can deny that. However, that does not mean that ballots were deliberately miscounted at election centers. Is it fair to make that distinction? It is, but I think it also is worth noting that there was an effort to keep people from observing the counting of ballots. And this is something that in my reporting I saw in multiple different states, and I looked into it a bit in Philadelphia and Atlanta. Uh, It took court battles to even have a hope of being able to watch the counting of ballots. And remember, this is really important because once you separate the ballot from the envelope in a mail-in ballot, there's nothing you can do, basically. And there was a concerted effort to keep people from being part of that observation process. And I don't, you know, I don't think people have a really good handle on why that was, but it was extremely suspicious to a great number of people. And it definitely happened. I mean, there's video of it happening in Atlanta, and I tell that story in detail, talking to the Republican commissioners in the county where that happened. I talked to the lawyer in Philadelphia who fought the battle to be able to observe the separation of ballots from envelopes in Philadelphia. And Philadelphia shut down their counting rather than allow a team of Republicans to observe the counting of ballots. So they respond that, well, why has no judge allowed this to be entertained in court? Well, it's not quite accurate in that there were some legal battles. And in fact, the Philadelphia Republican lawyer won her initial battle to be able to oversee the counting, although uh, courts in Pennsylvania are a mess. But I also tell the story in there of why Trump's legal battle failed in the way it did. And partly that is a result of courts not wanting to get involved in election disputes. But it's also because they took good legal cases, such as one they had about disparate treatment of ballots in different counties based on who ran those counties. You know, in, in one county, if you were an illegal voter, your vote wasn't counted. But in another county, if you were an illegal voter, meaning you hadn't signed your ballot or dated your ballot, you were counted. 
um, or I should say if your ballot was illegal. And so they had a case going through the courts that was that was quite good on that front. And then other parts of the Trump legal team came in and tried to make it about fraud, which, as I already said, is a very difficult thing to conclusively find. And that did not work for them. And they, you know, it's kind of the confusion of a lot of people why they took good cases and turned them into fraud cases when that's not a really good avenue to pursue, particularly in the days and weeks after an election. I'd like to repeat for my listeners' sake what I regard as the bottom line that any honest person can say. Had there been only election day voting, Donald Trump would have won the presidency. Is that accurate? Well, it is. And one of the interesting things about 2020 is that both parties start to realize that there's a massive partisan divide in openness to mail-in balloting. Republican voters tend to shy away from it unless they're in a state where it's the only way to vote. They don't trust the process when you bring in dozens of other people in between you making your vote and the vote being counted. But Democrats seem to trust the process. And so it becomes a huge partisan issue, and it relates to the Zuckerberg funding, realizing that if they amp up mail-in balloting, that that will amp up Democrat votes and marginalize Republican votes. And this is also an issue in some of the legal cases that are brought, the privileging of mail-in ballots. Some states, like Wisconsin, actually say that Election Day voting is a right, mail-in balloting is a privilege, or absentee balloting is a privilege, which I think is actually a good way to distinguish between the two. But yeah, it's not. It, it, in Georgia, I think they calculated that 80% of Republicans did not want to mail in to do to use mail-in ballots. It's a huge. How question. is it decided whom a state will send ballots to? That depends on the Secretary of State or other officials or what the law is. Although in many states, the law was not to send mail-in ballots to everyone, but unilaterally officials would decide to either send ballots or applications for ballots to every single name on the roll even though you know there are millions of well what does that mean roll what role is the role what role is that the voter registration role so when you register to vote your name goes on a roll when you move to a county next door or a state next door your name stays on the roll unless they clean it up states do a horrible job of cleaning up their rolls and so when you send out a ballot to everybody that's how you saw those pictures of, like, one apartment building getting a $1,000, even though those people don't live there anymore. Do we have a—I suspect you do, but I don't know this for certain. Do we have a number or an approximate number of the increase in votes for Democrats as a result of all the mail-in ballots? Well, we know that mail-in balloting went from, you know, 30 million ballots you know, because there are some states where they only do mail-in ballots. 30 million ballots in 2016 is like over 100 million in 2020. It was a massive increase. Well, that that is a very important number. Go on. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just affirming how important that 30 million to 100 million in four years. And one of the things that's interesting about that is that is that mail-in balloting usually is attached to all sorts of problems with it. All right, we want to hear about that, obviously. The book is rigged, how the media, big tech, and the Democrats seized our elections. Molly Hemingway, the book is up at my website. The Dennis Prager Show. Building me up.
All right, all. Dennis Prager with Molly Hemingway. The book is rigged. We don't have a lot of time, so I want to get to something we didn't even talk about in your subtitle, The Media, Big Tech, and the Democrats. Talked about the Democrats. In a nutshell, tell me the role of big tech in the 2020 election. Well, after the 2016 election, tech oligarchs said that they would never let happen again what happened. And what they meant by that was media tried to shut down Trump, so he used social media. And they said that they would do whatever it took to make sure that he wasn't able to communicate directly with the people in an unfiltered fashion. And so they said about everything from deplatforming effective conservative voices, censoring the president and other people, creating algorithmic uh, chaos where if you search for information, it would devalue information from right-leaning sources and elevate those on the left. Um, you know, massive amounts of deplatforming and marginalizing of conservative voices to the tune. Of, I mean, this this actually probably had more effect than anything, including propaganda media's malfeasance, malfeasance in the election. But it's a uh, it, they just they exerted massive control, and you know, to think that it still came within forty three thousand votes in three states, even after all they did, is it tells you just how much they did. I think. So, I'm putting you on the spot here. The president, the former president, President Trump's continued statement that the election was, quote, stolen. A, is it a word you would use? B, do you think he should use it? I don't try to give him advice, but no. I mean, I love the word rigged, which is why I named the book Rigged. Before votes even happened, everything was designed to orchestrate a particular outcome, whether that was fake news or censorship tech control of everything, changing election laws, uh, funding of elections. I think sometimes people just get a little bit too much into the semantics, like call it what you want. We just need to know what happened and whether it should be allowed to happen. But I really like the word rigged, which is why I named the book that. Yes, it makes sense. That's the book, my friends. It is up at DennisPrager.com. The subtitle is How the Media, Big Tech, and the Democrats Seized Our Elections. Molly Hemingway, what are you working on now? Um, this is this is more than enough to get the word out about what I find, what I found. But just staying busy at the Federalist, where we where we every day fight the false media narratives that are put out by uh, corporate media and other propagandists. Bless your soul for doing so. That's Molly Hemingway. I read the Federalist every day. I suggest that you do as well. And the book is rigged. It is, a, it is a tragedy that Election Day has been destroyed. But then again, as you know, my motto in life, everything the left touches, it destroys. Thanks for listening to the Town Hall Review. Our program is coming today in partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy. It's America's most unique graduate leadership programs offered on Pepperdine's breathtaking campus in Malibu, California. Learn more at publicpolicy.pepperdine.edu. If you're enjoying the podcast, please tell a friend to go to Town Hall Review and sign up as well today. 
Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.